0: I'm Amy Guth and this is Crane's Daily Gist. Today on the podcast, McCormick Place will be turned into a makeshift COVID hospital with plans calling for the convention center to be able to treat about 3,000 patients by April 24th with 500 beds to be available in the coming week. We'll talk about that and lots more coming up on the podcast today. But first, this word from our sponsor. At Salo, we connect talent with companies to solve today's business challenges. We partner with exceptionally skilled and seasoned leaders in human resources, finance, and accounting. Right now, we're looking for game changing talent in human resources, the kind of leaders who find purpose and inspiration in growing businesses. If you want choice and control in the work you do, evolve your career as a Salo HR consultant. We'll help you keep your sharp edge because a dull career is not an option. Visit HelloSalo.com to learn more. We're Salo. Let's get solving. Now, with FDA approval, North Chicago based Abbott Labs has launched a five minute COVID 19 test. Earlier today, I spoke with Crane's healthcare reporter Stephanie Goldberg about the test and about the company's plans to make the new tests available around the country next week. Here's our conversation.
1: Abbott, the North Chicago medical device maker, uh, on Friday announced. That they got authorization from the U.S. Food and Drug Administration to use a new coronavirus test, which is apparently the fastest test on the market to date. So it delivers positive results within five minutes and negative results within 13, which is much different from the lacks that we had heard about. Even a previous Abbott test took 24 hours to turn around results. So it's a pretty big deal, and it's going to hopefully have a really big impact in, in speeding this up and also sort of reaching new medical settings, too, beyond the hospitals.
0: And what, in terms of infrastructure, would be needed to get this testing implemented in hospitals quickly?
1: So the test runs on an existing platform from Abbott. It's a, it's a portable platform, and it can be used in a number of healthcare settings, the company says. This includes, like, urgent care clinics. So in addition to the testing that's being done right now at hospitals, this essentially opens this testing capabilities up to other types of medical settings, including settings that are much for the general public to get to as hospitals you know quickly become overloaded with patients who have coronavirus symptoms or have tested positive for, for COVID-19. The company says it hopes to eventually make about 50,000 of these available per day, which is a pretty big deal considering what we've been facing.
0: That's exactly where I wanted to go next. In terms of numbers, what would this change in terms of how many people could be tested? I mean, 50,000 a day, that's a lot. Does that meet the demand of the numbers that states are talking about?
1: Well, focus on Illinois, because that's that's what I know the most about. But, you know, Governor J.B. Pritzker on Sunday during his daily press briefing said that Illinois right now is doing about 4,000 tests a day. Those tests are done at 30 hospitals and clinics, three state labs, two state drive-thrus, three federal drive-thrus. And that includes about 27,000 people tested. And so his goal is to get 10,000 tests a day. And that's where he and Dr. Ezekiel, uh, the director of the Illinois Department of Public Health, say is sort of like the number that experts have identified is the number we should be testing to know if we've got a handle on this. So the, the goal is to do 10,000 tests a day in Illinois by April 8th. So. Abbott, making 50,000 tests available, and this, of course, these are tests that are needed nationwide, it's going to help get us closer to that number. The other thing that I'll note is that Abbott's other tests, which we mentioned briefly, which is the one that can be done in 24 hours, which usually takes about 24 hours, they're expected to be producing about 5 million total tests per month in April, so that includes both of those tests. And then also, uh, something Christopher said on Sunday is that he's actually working with Abbott to put Illinois at the top of the list for releasing the new five-minute test. So they're they're working together right now to make sure that we can reach that 10,000 tests a day goal.
0: Okay, so that answers for Illinois. Is there a plan that you're aware of that Abbott has to be able to deploy these tests to other parts of the country, especially ones like New York that need them so urgently?
1: I'll tell you what I do know, and, and that's earlier this month when Abbott first got authorization for the first COVID-19 test that it developed. It said that it was going to be working to immediately ship those out to existing customers nationwide. So they're definitely working with folks around the country, and especially those who are in, you know, the quote hot spots. But it'll be interesting to see what comes from what Prisker was talking about the other day in terms of sort of prioritizing Illinois and how many tests maybe will be set aside for facilities
0: or even existing Abbott customers locally. So a big part of the conversation about this pandemic has been about overwhelming hospitals and strategies to try to prevent that from happening. How is Illinois looking right now, especially in terms of protective gear and other medical supplies for hospitals?
1: So we don't have a number right now from the state or from the Chicago Department of Public Health that tells us exactly how much PPE, personal protective equipment like face masks um, and N95 respirators that protect clinicians from this respiratory virus, how many of those are in the stockpile. Without knowing that number, it's hard to say what's left over and what's needed. But what I can say is that hospitals around the state, ranging from those that treat large numbers of low-income patients to even the really big academic medical centers that we think of it as having really deep pockets, they're all putting out public calls right now for donations of this personal protective equipment. Supplies are dwindling. We've heard reports from nurses on the front lines saying that you know they've been asked to reuse their face masks, which is not typically something that's asked of medical professionals. You know, it's you risk contamination and things of that nature, which put you at risk for developing COVID-19. So that's certainly something to keep an eye on. And it's something that hospitals are navigating in real time.
0: There's so much here. And of course, this is a story that just moves incredibly quickly. So I appreciate you taking time out to talk about it today. I'm sure we'll be talking with you again before too long. Thanks so much, Stephanie. My pleasure. Thanks. Coming up, U of C said it'll provide two million in support to Southside neighborhoods grappling with the coronavirus by distributing meals to residents and giving grants to small businesses and nonprofits. We'll talk more about that story and others right after this word from our sponsor. Wintrust Commercial Banking offers a full suite of financial resources designed to meet the needs of middle market businesses and larger companies. With comprehensive and personalized financial solutions coupled with bankers who get to know your industry's demands, Wintrust Commercial Banking is committed to providing the tools to help your business reach its strategic growth initiatives. You've got a vision for your business and Wintrust Commercial Banking is here to help you see it through. Find out more at Wintrust.com. Member FDIC, equal housing lender. For a daily roundup of stories about how the coronavirus outbreak is affecting businesses and the economy, sign up for our free newsletter at chicagobusiness.com coronavirus update. That's all one word, coronavirus update. Also, the paywall has been dropped for all coronavirus stories at chicagobusiness.com, but we encourage you to consider subscribing to support our journalism. And if you receive cranes in print at the office and you're missing it while you're working from home, know that you can always access the electronic edition anytime at chicago gobusiness.com slash digital edition. Looking to today's stories, the head of the Army Corps of Engineers says McCormick Place will be turned into a makeshift hospital to treat COVID-19 victims. The Army Corps of Engineers commander general said the agency aims to have the convention center set up to treat about 3,000 victims of the coronavirus by around April 24th. City officials expect to have 500 beds available there in the coming week. With help from FEMA, Hall C at McCormick Place will be equipped to treat 500 people. Hall B will house 750 patients and Hall A would have about 1,800 patients requiring a higher level of care. FEMA is providing kits to outfit makeshift hospitals at McCormick Place, the Javits Center in hard-hit New York City, and other sites around the country as well. Right now, the convention center sits empty, its event calendar scrapped by the outbreak. 33 events have been canceled so far at McCormick Place or neighboring Wintrust Arena, including some of the largest ones the convention center hosts each year. Those canceled events run through early June and were expected to draw nearly half a million attendees, according to the Metropolitan Pier and Exposition Authority, which owns and operates McCormick Place, a spokesperson for which said the events were projected to account for 533,000 hotel room nights downtown and generate a local economic impact of 747 million. The coronavirus and cheap oil are hitting the fuel business so hard that ethanol plants are shutting down and the entire biofuel industry is facing a reckoning. So before the pandemic emptied roads and ratcheted up an oil price war, producers were already battling oversupply and trade upheaval. Now slumping demand and prices mean smaller producers and those with heavy debt loads are struggling to ride it out. Todd Becker, who's CEO of U.S. ethanol producer Green Plains Inc. said, when we come out of these two black swan events, the price war in oil and now the coronavirus, we will probably look differently as an industry. Continuing, there are definitely plants out there that are going to run out of capital. Seen as a greener alternative to gasoline and once promoted as a way for countries to decrease dependency on foreign oil, the industry is facing another crushing blow. Corn ethanol plants are closing across the U.S. Brazilian producers of sugarcane-based fuel are sinking further into debt and efforts to use more biofuel are being jeopardized in Asia. In Europe, producers are either cutting back or making feedstock for hand sanitizer. U.S. gas prices hit a 20-year low, and prices at the pump are already below a buck a gallon in some states. That's on the back of an oil price war between Russia and Saudi Arabia that sent crude markets into meltdown and the virus outbreak that has upended demand. So while cheap fuel is usually pretty good news for consumers, it's hurting biofuel producers and American farmers who sell about a third of their corn crops to the ethanol industry. And producers are then struggling to find storage as demand takes a dive. Three to four billion gallons of U.S. production could come offline in the next 30 days, according to Green Plains. To be sure, though, fossil fuel makers are also getting hit. But for the U.S. biofuel industry, the pandemic and dirt cheap oil are just the latest blows in a short but rather tumultuous history. Here's the background. Archer Daniels Midland, the agribusiness giant that helped draw the blueprint for the U.S. biofuel industry, started making ethanol in the late 1970s, but it wasn't until the early 2000s when then-president George W. Bush instituted a mandate for its use to reduce dependence on imported oil that the industry exploded. Still, some plants went bankrupt after corn prices jumped around the time of the financial crisis. Slower growth in gas demand in the last few years meant more U.S. supplies needed to be exported, but the top overseas growth market, China, all but stopped buying American stuff amid the trade dispute. That put plants on their heels, and they've never quite come back from that. And so while Beijing is returning to the U.S. agriculture market after the phase one deal, picking up a few cargoes of corn, that won't be quite enough to offset the pain caused by the drop in ethanol production. And the industry could be even further threatened by a move from the EPA that could extend biofuel blending exemptions for small refineries. Find more about this story and others at chicagobusiness.com. Hedge fund firms trimmed losses suffered earlier this month after U.S. moves to help markets. By the end of last week, the Fed was on track to have bought $1 trillion worth of treasuries and mortgage-backed securities, about the same amount they bought over eight months during the global financial crisis. Here's the gist. Citadel, Millennium Management, and Point72 Asset Management were among the money managers that struggled in the first half of March as the effects of the spreading coronavirus pretty much halted the global economy and seized up markets from stocks to bonds to commodities. And while losses at the largest multi-strategy firms, which invest across a range of things, were only in the single digits at their peak, the moves were sudden and unexpected, hitting usually pretty dependable trades that use leverage to take advantage of small price differences in related securities. The so-called arbitrage trades were placed on everything from treasuries to company mergers. Then came the unprecedented moves by the Federal Reserve and Congress's promise of a $2 trillion economic stimulus package. That combo, at least temporarily boosted markets and U.S. stocks had their best three-day run since the 1930s before falling again on Friday. Losses at the larger multi-strat firms were caused by a variety of trades, notably statistical arbitrage, a popular quantitative strategy that looks for discrepancies in the way stocks trade against each other, index rebalancing, which wagers on the quarterly reweighing of stock indexes, which were pretty much abandoned amid the meltdown, and basis trades, betting on the difference between treasuries and futures. The Fed action and promise of the fiscal package helped improve performance last week. According to people familiar with these firms, though, ex- exact returns haven't yet been provided to investors. That said, here's how the bigger firms fared. Citadel was down 5.3% for the month through March 20th. Its performance has since improved. The fixed income heavy Exodus point had been down 3% and is now up slightly on the month. Millennium had posted a loss of about 5% through March 20th. Point 72's losses were around 4% through March 20th. The fund had taken a hit from its quant trading group Cubist, which had lost 22%. Schoenfeld strategic advisors, which had been down about 11% on the month primarily from its quant trading, said it was looking to raise more money. You can find more detail on this story at chicagobusiness.com. The University of Chicago announced over the weekend plans to initiate a program to assist Chicago Southside residents, businesses, and nonprofits grappling with the impact of the coronavirus. Starting today, the university will put a million dollars in direct funding and support towards feeding Southside residents using its dining facilities to prepare meals and working with Greater Chicago Food Depository to provide 225,000 meals over 10 weeks through June 12th. The university is directing another million towards businesses and nonprofits in the neighborhoods. Specifically Specifically, it's making grants up to $7,500 available to independently owned and operated businesses. And businesses that have leases with the university will also be eligible for rent relief. The school's Polsky Exchange Startup Hub will also offer workshops and other services to small businesses. Additionally, there will also be up to 7,500 in assistance available for certain nonprofits to cover the costs of shifting their programming online. And university students will be trained to work as consultants with the organizations. Till tomorrow. That's all for Crane's Daily Gist. Thanks so much to producer Haima Black and to today's guest Stephanie Goldberg. Be sure to find business news, data analysis, and more at Crane's Chicago Business online and in print. And find hashtag Crane's Daily Gist on Twitter and LinkedIn. And let's continue the conversation there about these and other business stories most on your mind. Thanks so much for listening, and I'll meet you right back here tomorrow.